0: Hey, South Bend City Church. Mariah here, the Director of Art and Worship. We're so thankful that you chose to join us today, whether you're local or long distance, and we're so thankful that you're a part of our community. We wanted to give you a few updates in the life of our community before jumping in to this weekend's gatherings. So we are no longer rapidly approaching the holidays. We're here. So today we wanted to let you know about a few things going on over the next month. Instead of going through all the details here, keep an eye on our social media pages tomorrow for when we post our holiday schedule, but a couple key dates. Instead of going through all of the details right now, keep an eye on our social media pages and our website tomorrow for our full holiday schedule. But one date that you'll want to know is Christmas Eve. This year, we'll be having our gatherings at 11 a.m. and 11 p.m. on Sunday, December 24th. Please note that only our nursery will be open for the 11 a.m. gathering, and there will be no other child care for any of those gatherings. So plan on having your kids with you. We would love to have them join us, but make sure that you keep an eye on them. We would love to see you and your family there. One other date to keep in mind is the week after Christmas Eve, December 31st. We will not be having gatherings. We want to make sure that you and your loved ones, your family, your friends have the opportunity to take a break over the holidays and connect. And we will be doing the same as a staff and as volunteers. One more thing is every Christmas season, we have a special Christmas offering that goes to different causes within our community, our city and the world. This year, we'll be giving toward a South Bend City Church Community Advent Guide that will be available next Advent, La Casa de Amistad, Redeemer Central in Belfast, and us Group. Once again, I'm not going to go through all of the details right here, but we actually had the chance to interview the people on the ground in all of those areas for a special podcast episode that you can catch tomorrow. So make sure to check back there for more information and to hear these incredible people that are working in our community, our city, and our world. There are other ways that you can give as well during the season, one being towards the Tribune Project, which we're going to hear about here in a second, and also to our general fund, which goes towards our everyday operating expenses as a community. You can give to these funds or to the Christmas offering by going to southbendcitychurch.com slash give and selecting the fund that you want to give to. Once again, thank you for your generosity and for being a part of this community. All right. So in our gatherings this weekend, we heard from Matt Graybill, our executive pastor, and Jason Miller, our lead pastor. In the last few months, we've made major progress on the Tribune project, but we didn't just talk about building renovation. We've also been in conversations with our downtown neighbors and other city stakeholders about the future of downtown. We had the opportunity to hear from Matt and Jason this weekend, as well as to hear about the next opportunity to see the building in person. So if you are in South Bend on December 3rd, between 1015 and 130, we would love to have you join us at our open house as we show you all of the renovation progress that has happened so far. All right. Thanks for joining us. Let's jump in with the rest of our community now.
1: Uh, I don't know what your experience is of the song we just sang, What a Shepherd. Uh, Maybe you feel like very connected to that experience. Uh, Maybe you can look back on your life and and you've had a particular experience of Jesus walking with you through life, leading you, caring for you, directing you. That could be one way you relate to that. Uh, Maybe you feel a little more mixed about it and you look back and you're like, my experience has not quite been that, but I have some connection to it. Or maybe you're like, I don't know what we were just singing about, but it's nice to be here among people. You know? uh, that's, all, that's all Like in the room. That's great. Um, but with that as a backdrop, if you would think for a moment about some time in your life when you've made a decisive, a decisive step into a new future, like, like a turning point where you chose to take a step into something new that would shape the path in front of you. Uh, Some obvious examples might be a step into a relationship, maybe a decision to either go out on that first day or to get married, right? That's a decisive step toward a new future. Uh, Maybe it's career-based. Maybe you quit a job. Maybe you started a job. Maybe you started a new educational program to prepare yourself for a new path of vocation in life. Uh, Maybe it was a physical move. Maybe it was geographic. Maybe you didn't, like, leave town, but you switched houses. But these are all, like, decisive steps that you take into a new kind of future, Right? And as you reflect on, on one of those examples in your life, maybe this is pretty obvious to you, but it seems to me that anytime you do that, you, you discern a step, you take a step into a new future, and then on the one hand, you discover that you have a terrifying amount of freedom to shape that future. I mean, have you felt that? Like, often, like, we step into these things, and then we like, look around, and we're like, oh, and now we just get to make this up? It can feel that way, right? Uh, so on the one hand, like, a terrifying amount of freedom and, and power an agency to shape whatever that path is. And on the other hand, paradoxically, you discover that you are at the mercy of forces, powers, trends, issues, developments that you have no control over whatsoever, right? For anyone was the decisive step that you decided to take was the one to have kids. Can I get an amen on the latter part of that comparison about, like, you have no control, no power. Things are just going to happen, right? This is really normal for us, right, whether it's individual choices or communal choices. I share that because we've just sung about Jesus as a shepherd who leads us, and I just want to acknowledge that it can be both beautiful and and frightening and confounding and hopeful and strange, Uh, but also because of the conversation that we want to have today, uh, which uh, at the surface, perhaps, is to update you on a big project that we have embarked on, as a church, we've taken a decisive step toward a future for our home at the Tribune downtown that we are redeveloping and getting ready to move into. But as we talk about that project, I, I do want to like bear in mind for us that hopefully everything we do as a church community uh, becomes a way of practicing the life that we feel called to together, right? And so I hope that what you can hear in some of the details of the story that we're telling today about our decisive step into a future at the Tribune. I I hope that you hear in that analogs to your own life and to your own experience, because hopefully everything is practice for our life with God and one another. Uh, to get into this today, I'm very excited uh, to bring to the stage uh, one of our pastors uh, who you don't often get to hear from up here, uh, although every day he is leading in really phenomenal and important ways across the life of our church. So will you please welcome our executive pastor, Matt Grable. Got some fans in the room, Matt. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> I do want That's to awesome. say a, a bit more about that, and you're just going to sit there and take it. Yeah. Um, Really, uh, it's it's kind of a weird thing in church, right, where like certain positions, like you see them on stage every Sunday and it seems more visible, uh, the impact that people in those positions are having in this community And then there's other positions where the nature of the work is day in and day out, um, often behind the scenes, leading staff and strategies and helping us grow up into our calling together, equipping leaders, mapping things like finances and liabilities and all of that. And uh, Matt does that like every day for us. and He doesn't just do it, but he does it exceptionally. And so would you like give me like another privilege of gratitude for Matt Grable up here?
2: We got a really good team of people Just sit there and take it. I
1: told you, just sit there and take it. (laughs) Um, We do have a good team as well.
2: Yeah,
1: Uh, Matt, back in 2022, uh, we as a church family did a lot of discerning uh, work together. Uh, We started with a practical problem, which was that our time at Studebaker was coming to an end. That was something that was out of our control. And so we were trying to figure out just quite literally how to have a home to do what we do. Um, We did everything we could think of to evaluate the decision that we were going to take on with the Tribune. Uh, we looked at the physical building, you know, evaluated the quality of the building, whether it was a, a good physical building to grab the value of the building, the price point. We considered our financial capacity as a community and tried to figure out if this would be a frugal decision. Uh, we compared <clears throat> that path to like pretty much any other imaginable path forward for our future, just to make sure that we weren't missing some other way of doing this that would be better. Uh, we drew up some basic plans for the renovation so we could visualize what it would look like to transform it. And yet, no matter how much investigating you do, once you, like, take that decisive step and you begin to walk toward it, there's surprises along the way, right? Because you begin to find out what's really in front of you and what you're dealing with. Um, So let's start there. Uh, Before we talk about, like, the larger neighborhood and some bigger picture stuff happening downtown that we're also going to share with you today, can you just, like, take us into some of the um, either pleasant or not pleasant surprises uh, in the building that are part of the project right now. Yeah,
2: so if you've ever done like a home renovation project, you know if you like open up a wall, sometimes you see things that you're like, whoa, I didn't expect that. And it changes the course of the the project. And so we've had a few of those that have been good and some uh, that have been challenging. One really great one, so the Tribune Printing Press uh, housed this press that was like five stories tall Um, and in the big room, uh, there's a drop ceiling and best that our architects and plans could show is that like, uh, underneath this drop ceiling in this big room, like we're probably going to need to put a new drop ceiling in, uh, both for heat, but also aesthetics because it's probably going to be pretty gnarly up there. But then much to our surprise when we actually pulled down the drop ceiling, it was like beautiful. Um, like this steel industrial cathedral.
1: This is a little like, anybody like had an old house and you ripped the carpet up and there's like beautiful wood floor? Yeah, it's kind of like that, right? It's yeah, like, like our architect's yeah. like, whoa, like
2: you don't have yeah. to do anything with this. Like it actually has insulation above it. Like is in good shape. And so that was like super cool to hear. Yeah. Um, those presses were housed uh, in the middle of this big room. And so there was a, there was a hole in the middle of the floor and we're like, we need to fill this hole in. But then actually that hole ended up being like a real gift uh, because all of the demolition that was been done has been able to been dumped through that hole into dumpsters and then carried out. Uh, Not only that, but then they've been actually able to bring in these massive lifts that have extended like 70 feet into the air to reach the top of the ceiling to actually put in a whole new fire suppression system. So we're actually able to use that that hole to our advantage. Uh, It was amazing how like all the timing had to get lined up um, that once the hole got filled in, what else uh, can't be done at that point. So it's saved from having to have contractors like carry down like cinder blocks downstairs and that type of
1: thing. So quick note there too, um, we've already told you about how we were originally going to save a lot of the demolition for phase two, because there's parts of the building that we don't have to touch during phase one. But we relocated that demo to phase one because of the hole. The good news is that saves money over the entire scope of the multiple phases of the project, but that meant that we front-loaded more cost. Uh, the fire suppression is another example, right, where that's actually like phase two, phase three, fire suppression installation that's been addressed so that when it comes time to finish the rest of the building, because we do intend to finish the rest of the building, uh, stay tuned for that. Um, that's just more work that's already been done and more investment that's already been put into the building. Yeah.
2: So we allocated uh, a sizable uh, portion of money aside for like increased cost and uh, thankfully, those co- the material cost didn't increase by that much, so we were actually able to relocate some of that money to put in yeah. uh, the new fire suppression system, Tell where it would have been like double the cost, having to build scaffolding and things like that, we were able to use that, that hole. Uh, one bummer of a surprise was um, we the courtyard, which will be our front entrance, is like all cement loading dock, uh, and so we thought we're going to rip that up and actually we'll put in some like green space, and so... The architect, contractor, everybody was like, oh, this is going from a solid surface to one that's more pervious. Uh, And so this will actually solve the problem of water retention. However, there's an ordinance in the city of South Bend that says if you dig up over 2,600 square feet, then you need to put in a retention pond. So where do you put in a retention pond uh, when you're kind of landlocked? Well, you put it underneath the courtyard, apparently. Uh, So we actually had to invest some money into, Actually, putting a stormwater management underneath our uh, courtyard system, but thankfully, again, with saving some, uh, putting some money aside for just some of these, like oops, that's a surprise. Um, we were able to accomplish that.
1: Yeah, we're really thankful for our partners at DJ Construction and Arcos Design, who have been really conservative. They built these buffers in, you know, you know. There's always things that you don't know until you get into it, but some thoughtful planning at the front end has meant that we've had the margin that we need to address some of these unexpected uh, costs in the project, right?
2: Yeah, and another surprise for, for our contractor, it was no surprise to us, is there was a ton of stuff left in this building, um, but our volunteers like came through like in huge ways to clear things out through those volunteer work days. Um, So our contractor was like, whoa, you guys did some massive
1: work before we got in here. Yeah, and that saves real money. I mean, that's real labor costs that we were able to save, right? Um, There's some other fun stuff happening in the building. So that hole has now been filled in. Yep. Uh, That second floor vaulted cathedral-like room, if you've seen the renderings, you know that that's the phase two worship area, the, the big kind of dramatic room. Uh, but the walls are blown out there. The, the floor is filled in. And so the basic shape of that room is now taking place. Uh, big windows have been cut into what will be the lobby in phase two. But what's our worship area in phase one? Bringing daylight into the area. That courtyard's about to get finished up. And if you're thinking, you know, Jay, it'd be cool if we could just see it. Yes, we agree. Uh, So next Sunday, mark your calendars, we're going to open the building up for an open house beginning at the end of the 9 a.m. gathering and continuing on after the 11. Please, 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 if you can make it, it's just so much better if you can see it for yourself. Uh, So even like if you regularly come to the 11, you could just plan on going from here to there and we'll have team there to show you the building. Uh, It's really something. And if the last time you were in there was maybe over the summer during our consecration gathering, or maybe you've never been in there, I'm not kidding. I've yet to see a person who doesn't say oh it's different when you see it for yourself yeah right? everybody
2: that i've walked through they're like oh, i saw the video i saw the pictures but like this
1: is way different than i thought in yeah. a good way um relatively safe for kids uh, although they're still your problem adults and parents <laughs> but relatively safe for kids during the open house uh, i will point out though that the building does not yet live up to our accessibility standards Um, Hopefully that's kind of obviously just a facet of being in the middle of the project. So if the courtyard is complete... That includes a ramp that'll get you into the main floor area. Uh, but if stairs are a challenge, um, even with the courtyard, like the elevator's not uh, rebuilt yet. And so other parts of the building won't be ready for you. We just wanna be clear about that. And of course, we're committed to getting it to a point where it's fully accessible when we're living our life mm-hmm. in there.
2: Hopefully this week they pour concrete and we can.
1: Yeah, yeah. Be, keep an eye on that weather this week. We hope that it's a good week for uh, pouring the concrete there. Uh, but please, please, please uh, do what you can to be there. It's just, it's really fun to get to show it to you. And I think that that can continue to. Uh, stir our imaginations for what happens in the building. So we'll see you at the open house on December 3rd. Let's talk a little bit about um, where we're at in the project financials. Are you excited for the money talk? Yeah, my people, that's good, thank you. Uh, This is really important and really beautiful uh, because one of the ways that the people of South City Church are making this happen is through financial generosity. It's not the only way, but it's one really important way. Uh, As a reminder, um, the way that we're paying for the project, which includes buying the building, which we've done now and we have a mortgage on it, buying the building and then renovating the phase one project is a combination of mortgage and giving. So again, here's the reminder. The mortgage, I'll put this on the screen, is a $2.5 million loan. Uh, that um, number came not just from like how much it costs to do the project, but also us evaluating what's a, like a frugal mortgage amount. Uh, and really the way that we came up with that number is we look at what we've been paying for our lease here at Studebaker from the, pretty much the beginning of Southland City Church, and the mortgage payment on that mortgage is significantly lower than our rent payment was the day that we moved in here back in 2017. So that's one of the ways that we sort of evaluated whether this was a prudent um, amount of debt for us because debt can be really tricky for churches just like it can be for people and we wanna make sure that we're being uh, wise about that. However, $2.5 million doesn't get us all the way there uh, because phase one, purchase and renovation, costs more than that. And so um, you all, the people of Southland City Church have committed, next slide, uh, 1.8 million uh, in financial giving. That was us back in April of 2022, saying, uh, what do we all wanna give over two years from April of 2022 to April of 2024? So if you're thinking about the calendar, you realize uh, we're like three quarters of the way through that roughly, right? And at that point, uh, here we are now, three quarters of the way through it. Let me show you how much has actually been given of that 1.8. Uh, 1.56 million has already been given, which I think is amazing, and I think we could say thank you for that. Yeah, I mean, really, really remarkable. And I want to be really clear about this. We're thankful for um, all kinds of gifts. There are people who've had the financial means uh, to give gifts that look really large on paper. Unbelievably thankful. We've also got people who've been faithful, like with their $100 a month. And all of that makes a difference, not just financially, but in terms of heart, heart and um, ownership for this community, so thank you for doing that. Now, let's observe where we are and where we need to get, right? So uh, 1.56 already given, but that means that between now and April of next year, in order for us to live up to the promise that we've made, uh, there's still about $300,000 yet to be given. Now, on the one hand, um, we're making really good progress. Again, if you look at the two-year timeline and where we're at in the giving, that's really pretty great. Uh, But a a couple of caveats that I will give you on these numbers. Uh, First of all, That $1.8 million commitment that our community collectively came up with, um, you know, there's different size gifts in that commitment. And I will tell you that um, most of the largest gifts have already been fully given. And so that's both amazing because it means we've spent less on interest and paid more with cash. That's all really good. It does mean that like that $300,000 gap will be made up... Probably by a lot of um, gifts that are not quite as large, uh, which means that we all have have our work to do still, right? If we look at what's given on a regular monthly basis toward the Tribune right now, a number of people have set up like automated giving or regular monthly giving. If you take that kind of average monthly gift right now and you play it out through next April, we don't get the $300,000. So just to be uh, straightforward about that. Uh, but that as a good reminder that, like, this is an invitation for anybody who maybe hasn't given who wants to give, or if you realize that you're in a position to give more, it's really helpful. By the way, this is super normal, right? In church, you go back to April of 2022, and we all, like, make our commitments, and a lot of things happen, right? Uh, some people's circumstances just change, and they made a commitment based on, like, their income at the time, and then life happened or changing income happen, and they're just not able to uh, give what they thought they were going to be able to give. So life happens. Um, other people move on. Uh, people move away or change their church affiliation, and usually when that happens, they take their money with them. So that's like real. Um, other people just flake out. That's just real. Like, like, you know, they got all inspired back in April 2022, and then the preaching kind of got less inspiring, and they're less into it now, and they just aren't giving. So that happens as well. Um, <laughs> Anyway, all that being said, this is pretty normal. I'm really proud of and grateful for our community and how we're all showing up. And we've got some more work to do. Um, If you're the kind of person whose financial life lends to like end of your giving, Uh, we already heard about the Christmas offering. That's one way to give. But another way you could give is just to make a gift to the Tribune Project as a way to kind of help get us to the finish line. Uh, If you're in a position to give monthly between now and April as well, that's uh, super helpful for the project. Um, Just please don't take money that you regularly get to the general fund and flip it over to the Tribune Project because that doesn't help anyone. Um, But that's a sort of update on the finances. Matt, anything else you want to say about the money? Yeah, I'd just say those are
2: big numbers, right? And So it's easy to look and be like, oh, what can I do? But I was... Thinking about this um, a couple of months ago when we had a volunteer work day um, and we got paintbrushes and we were painting the office area with a number of volunteers and thinking like this is a $3 paintbrush um, but put in the hand of a volunteer here, this is actually saving us thousands of dollars um, by, by what we're doing. So every gift really makes a huge difference. Um, and we're, uh, you know, we've as a as a church have tried to find other ways to bring in funding through grants and things like that. The tricky thing about churches, a lot of times those grants aren't available. Um, So it really is like our community coming together to make this project happen.
1: That's right. Of course, as always, if you have any questions about those finances or other finances, we're uh, here to be an open book, let us know. We'd love to talk more uh, after the gathering at another time. Um, We've also been working hard uh, to live as good neighbors. You know, uh, the building's important. Um, Buildings matter, but they don't matter all the way. They're part of what we do. Uh, But really, to have a building downtown means that we're going to be neighbors downtown. And so we've been working hard um, to understand what it is to be a good neighbor downtown, to get to know our neighbors, to begin to understand what the vision for common good is downtown. Uh, Matt, will you just uh, revisit for us and tell us a bit more about conversations with faith communities, city leaders, um, even like our team walk with Carl. Tell us about that work.
2: Yeah, so... Uh, here we're kind of secluded in this 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 portion. We're kind of behind the gate, and in terms of neighbors, we know some other people in the complex. But this is this is vastly changing, like the dynamic in terms of relationships with the city by location. Um, so there's a number of churches that are right around the Tribune area. You have First Presbyterian Church, First United Methodist Church, uh, St. James Cathedral, um, and so we've had conversations with all of them because some of those churches have been around for centuries, like hundreds hundreds of years. Uh, and we don't want to be the young punk coming into the neighborhood saying, you know, here we are. Uh, but there's some learning there that, that we need to do about what's happening in the neighborhood. Also, some really great community partners, um, organizations, nonprofits, St. Margaret's House, the Upper Room, uh, connecting with downtown South Bend and, and Willow. Uh, it's been really great to be able to build a lot of these relationships with people down, downtown, hearing about what's happening in the neighborhood, how can we love the neighborhood. Uh, Carl uh, Hettler, he's the new South Bend City uh, Homeless Coordinator. Um, I've been on a couple walks with him around downtown, and he just has been sharing uh, a little bit about like the homelessness crisis. We had our team actually walk with Carl and um, Kind of explore the city and, and get to meet people, uh, hear their stories, but also see uh, what are the needs that, that, are, that are present in our city, but also what are like the, the rays of hope of organizations and people that are doing really, really good work. Um, what's amazing is that you build those relationships, um, there's this community that develops that uh, people are able to lean in on one another. Um, even this morning, Carl was introduced to somebody that just needed to come into this space to get warm, Uh, and then he was able to provide some resources for that person actually to to find their way into uh, a better better situation. And so it's been really cool to build those relationships um, as we explore uh, living in the
1: city. Yeah, one other note on that is uh, as our team gets a little more educated, uh, we're thinking about ways for our church to get more educated, and so um, I think we'll do more of that. Um, It's just helpful to understand how to be a good neighbor downtown, uh, there are some complex dynamics and different people are living with different kinds of challenges and opportunities for help. And so um, I, know, I know for me, like even an educational point was I feel like I've been aware of a number of different organizations and services that are available downtown. But it's different to do the walk with Carl block by block and discover just how much good work there is happening and how many different organizations are showing up. And one of my takeaways from that actually is that there's just a lot of compassion in South Bend mm. and a lot of people and groups that are doing their part. Uh, to make a difference for people who might need something right now.
2: Yeah, and there's a lot of eagerness. One of the things I really appreciate about when we're connecting with a number of these neighbors is everybody's really willing, willing to work together yeah. um, you know, for the common good. And you don't see that in a number of cities. Yeah.
1: Um, Matt, you said to me a couple times now, uh, as we kind of get to know the landscape downtown and keep track of new developments downtown, uh, you said that like, you're really glad that we were able to buy the Tribune when we did. Um, that, having gotten our hands on it back in 2022 uh, the kids are excited too yeah. Cool. Yeah. at least I hope that 's what that screen means um, yeah we're like you 're really glad that we were able to get our hands on it when we did why'd you say that what 's happening now that has you saying that
2: yeah, so you know this this building has been sitting vacant since two thousand and seventeen, but when we went into the process to purchase it, is it like is this the right timing is this this good um, sometimes you don 't know it you no, until like a little bit later on. So now looking back, it's like, well, there's actually a lot that's, that's starting to happen in this particular area. Um, and I think if we would have waited, I don't know if we would have had this opportunity to, to purchase the building, or at least purchase it at the price that we, we purchased it at. Uh, we purchased the building for a million dollars. Um, it's now appraised at close to $2 million, just as is. Uh, that'll That'll increase as we finish work, but with there's some significant development that's happening in this portion of the city. Um, In fact, the city of South Bend just had a press conference uh, inviting a number of partners in the city sharing about the development of this particular area, um, over a billion dollars that's actually gonna be invested in this particular portion of the city.
1: Yeah, Yeah, I I hear that number, over a billion dollars, and we're not talking citywide, we're talking uh, downtown over the next few years, and those are all projects that are like teed up and moving forward, uh, this includes what uh, Memorial Hospital, new Beacon Tower. Yeah, so
2: you have Memorial Hospital, Beacon, like they're building a tower, they're ex- uh, expanding their footprint. Um, that'll, they'll offer uh, some apartments, retail, uh, more medical services. Then you have the Morris uh, doing an expansion. Um, uh, uh, South Bend Cubs, the Four Winds Field, they're a- adding its upper deck. Um, so they're doing a couple million dollars' worth of expansion. Uh, in this particular area, they're expanding as well. Uh, Notre Dame was at that press conference. Uh, it's the first time in their strategic plan that they've mentioned South Bend as a part of their strategic framework. And yeah, you're um, allowed
1: to laugh at that. And yeah,
2: so I mean. Observe that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. like. Uh, the city is really important to them as a stakeholder, too. And uh, downtown South Bend is working with a lot of uh, small-scale developers and new businesses and restaurants that are coming into the area. So that this particular area actually, I think,
1: is teed up for a lot of Uh, growth and development. And speaking of area, we'll throw a map on the screen. It's a little hard to see from where you're seated, I I know, but I'll kind of help you here. Uh, So this is an aerial shot looking uh, like a satellite image of South Bend. Uh, Right here at Studebaker where we're gathered this morning, we're at the bottom of that map, almost down to that white line, but not quite there. Uh, You can see that's the railroad actually that kind of cuts across there. We're quite familiar with the trains here at South Bend City Church. So that gives you some bearings on the South end, right? If you go all the way to the north end there, you'll see that the bank of the river that basically stretches up to Memorial Hospital and then Leaper Park, which is right there on the river. So that's the north-south spread. Over to the right, you see it folds in some of the east bank stuff. Uh, But what stands out to me here on this map is like, you know, if you you go out uh, the door this morning um, back to Lafayette where the parking lot entrance is and hang left and go north, and you basically just go right up to like right in the center of that map you end up at Tribune and the place where we're gonna be uh, stakeholders in our future. A uh, quick disclaimer, um, this is a provisional map. This is the city beginning to work toward its downtown development plan. Uh, we got this from Caleb Bauer, uh, the executive director of community development, or investment, thank you. Uh, he, he points out like one of the first rounds of public feedback will be to ask residents whether this is even the right sort of outline to focus on in terms of boundaries there. So hold that loosely. Uh, But the city is, um, along with these other partners and along with churches and along with us, um, getting ready to sort of make a serious uh, investment in a vision for downtown South Bend.
2: Yeah, and what's really cool is to be considered a stakeholder in that. Um, Early on in this project, uh, we connected with the city, and there was... uh, someone in the city who said, I got to be honest, we really don't need another church downtown. Um, and they were saying, the church doesn't help pave the roads. The church doesn't help with taxes and um, things like that. We kind of argued about, like, what are the other ways that we contribute uh, to the city? But then that same person just a couple of weeks ago called me up and said, could you give me all the names of the churches that you're connecting with? Um, because we really see you guys as really valuable stakeholders in this process. Yeah. It's like, you know, and so... You know, we can't. I couldn't tell this person, like, "Hey, no, no, we're you know this type of church, you know." Like, but but it had to be shown. Like, and I think that is a attribute to like our
1: community um, having fingerprints all over the city. And to be fair to that particular city leader, and I've heard you point this out, Matt. There are some stories that explain why city leaders might feel a little skeptical or cynical. Um, One of the things that's happened more than once in downtown South Bend is. A church community has gotten its hands on an old building, and frankly, it's been left worse off than when it started. Um, maybe they bit off more than they could choose. Uh, some of these projects are challenging, and so we get to show, not tell, right? It's like you could try to tell city leaders, no, we're going to do it different, but you, you can't really. You just got to show it, and I promise I'm not going to harp on this week after week, but today I, I'm going to because it matters. One of the ways that we show, not tell, one of the ways that we live up is by accomplishing that financial goal. Um, it's, just, it's one of the, we, we've taken responsibility for uh, a major asset downtown and, and that matters not just for us, but for downtown. And so to knock out that last $300,000 between now and April so that we're able to really nail phase one, that's one of the many ways, uh, that we show up, uh, faithful and committed and, and sort of demonstrate that we're here to be good partners in the city landscape. Yeah, right? for sure. Um, Matt, we've talked about like a billion dollars in development. That's really exciting, right? Um, new business investment. Uh, I think a lot of us around here share the conviction business is good. We want good business. We want great jobs and creativity and entrepreneurship, uh, great restaurants and residential. These things all matter. Um, So this is not like anti-business at all. However, um, you know, often business kind of works from the bottom line and business makes decisions based on how much profit could be extracted from an investment, right? That's kind of how business works. Even with all that development, it's not necessarily the case that all that development means that downtown will flourish as a place for people, uh, as a place for the common good. But um, there are some other plot lines developing and ways that we can be one of the stakeholders that has our eye on the flourishing of downtown. So take us a little bit further, uh, update us on the conversation that you shared with us in July and uh, where that's at today.
2: Yeah, so... um I think,
1: you know, as we looked at this. Oh, wait, Matt, I'm sorry. I forgot the prayer. The prayer is really important. Oh, yeah, that is. It's really important. you got to hit that. So we're moving into the part of the conversation where we're sharing (laughs) things with you that are not yet settled, not written in ink. These are sort of moving conversations that are in process right now. In a lot of churches, you don't do that. Because people walk out the door and they forget that you told them this stuff isn't settled yet. And then they think it is settled. Then they tell other people it's settled. And then they get mad when it doesn't happen or things go differently. So we have a liturgical prayer of the people that we're going to offer now together. Uh, All the people of God together and we pray. We understand that we are being treated like adults. Which means that we're being entrusted with information about processes that are not yet fully resolved. We will hold all details loosely even while hoping and praying fiercely for the underlying convictions that drive these provisional plans to be realized. And the people of God said, amen. Matt, you make it take me. Right. <laughs> so with that
2: being said, um, uh, So when we looked at the the building, um, we really didn't want to just have this this space be for our needs as a church, but how could this be used during uh, the course of the week for the common good? Um, What was interesting as we started uh, working on that that process uh, and talking about that, uh, we were introduced to uh, Notre Dame has a department called the Fitzgerald Institute of Real Estate, and they actually have a church properties initiative uh, that Church Properties Initiative is actually look, doing research um, around the world uh, as it relates to churches, because what they're seeing is a number of churches uh, that are closing their doors. Uh, churches, Catholic Church, Protestant Church, is the largest owner of property and land in the world, um, with schools uh, and assets otherwise. But it's, uh, I recently heard that by 2030, uh, there'll be 100,000 churches that'll shut their, shut their doors. Um, much of that is because of uh, the pandemic or just decreased attendance in churches or decreased in giving. Um, but what the research that they're doing at Notre Dame is how can how can these buildings be used um, in other ways? This is a real asset. And so they're they're really intrigued by the project that we were doing And how do we use this space during the course of the week? But they're also like seeing other churches from uh, around the country that are like rethinking how they use their parking lot and maybe convert it into green space or uh, shifting a school or a convent into affordable housing and things like that. In that process, we're introduced to a project uh, in Jacksonville, Florida called the Cathedral District, and it's actually five uh, historic churches that are kind of in a blighted neighborhood. Um, And so they took it upon themselves to come together to uh, actually think about how they could develop this area of the city uh, on their own. So they created a master development plan. Things like hey, we need some green space in this area. Hey, we need a community center in this area. Hey, we need some affordable housing in this area. Because you might have vacant buildings, but it might be a business that comes in and just says, well, I wanna purchase this building and make a big profit off of it, not thinking about what's best for the neighborhood. So that was like really inspiring to us uh, and inspiring enough that we started to have some conversations um, and be a part of conversations with other faith leaders downtown. Like I mentioned, there's a number of faith communities. Um, So we've been talking with rabbis from synagogues, um, other pastors uh, and priests uh, in the area, and being able to come together thinking through what would it look like to create like a downtown faith district in this area. And we don't know what the future holds with that, but right now those conversations Um, have been really meaningful in terms of just working together for the common good. Um, What are things that we can do together? So, for an example, in in March, we're going to have a a thing for our students where a couple churches are coming together, um, hearing from an author that writes about um, homelessness in in South Bend. Uh, We're also working together with Scott the Painter, and he's got uh, this thing through Lent called Stations of the Street. Um, And... Being able to have images around the city, so you're actually able to walk or drive around the city, see these images that would be stations of the cross, but actually in the street. And so, at at the very least, like this has like already been like a huge win because relationships um, have been established and there's working uh, churches are working together to kind of reimagine um, what could happen in this area. So much so that as other people have heard about these conversations, I can't even think of one uh, right now who is purchased a building to turn into an apartment complex. And as they are thinking about, oh yeah, how can we work together for the common good, they're looking at taking a few of those apartments and making them affordable housing. So to be able to identify what are the priorities and needs in our particular area, um, I think is really beneficial. And these, what they found in Jacksonville was some of these churches have started like food pantries or thrift stores, um, but they realized like, some of the things that they've started have been programs. What they really need to do is think about the holistic uh, development of the neighborhood and how that can contribute to uh, the people that live, work, and play in that particular area.
1: I think a lot of people um, love the idea of like faith communities working together, of multiple churches coming together. Uh, we do too. Also, you need like really good thinking on how to do that because uh, it can sound good, but to put some strategy and some vision around it, but I love that we have this example from Florida um, that you've been due to visit, and we've had the executive director from that district up here in South Bend uh, to meet with leaders. So there's like a real sort of proving ground there for way of doing that that's, that's really productive and, and working down there, right? Yeah, and there might be some needs that so they say somebody comes to us and says, hey,
2: could South Bend City Church do this? And it might not be a fit for us, but actually the church across the street it actually is a perfect fit for right. their space or their congregation. Um, so be able to have
1: those relationships I think is, is really important. Now, um, when we discerned the Tribune Project and decided to, to, to take this step, uh, one of the really clear convictions uh, in this community was that we want to make sure that the building that we own and renovate is good for common ground and common good during the week. We don't want it to just be for the, like, the Christians of South Bend City Church on Sunday. We want it to be for our neighbors, to be a safe and important place. And so... Um, we uh, set up pretty quickly to, first of all, evaluate needs, like what are the kinds of n- needs that could be met by a building like ours during the week, and then what are the viable partners? Because uh, we're, a, we're a scrappy little team, like I don't know that we have it in us to sustain ourselves the kind of programming during the week that would serve neighbors. We'd rather bring in the experts and let them use the space and um, again, reminder, this falls under the prayer that we just prayed. This is in conversation. Uh, this is not a done deal. Uh, this is uh, in the middle of the process. But we wanted to let you know um, about sort of an emerging possibility that we, uh, a lot of us who've looked at this, think uh, might make the most sense. And so, Matt, will you tell us about this possible partner?
2: Yeah, so one of the conversations we're really excited about is the Boys and Girls Club of St. Joe County. Um, they are doing phenomenal work and just was able to be on a tour with them of a number of their locations. Uh, I was unaware, um, maybe just had some ignorant thoughts of what, I just thought it was a club where kids hang out. I had no idea how much work they're doing with literacy and reading comprehension uh, and providing after school um, help in terms of tutoring, um, as well as doing great work on, in the areas of like mental health. Uh, with students, they've increased um, in St. Joe County from from five locations to over 20 locations in the last five years. Gone from about 50 staff to 300 staff, but they still have a waiting list of around 900 uh, kids and students uh, because of lack of space. Um, what's interesting is they're actually. Uh, the Porter School of Leadership, which is just right down the street from the Tribune building, um, they're creating, uh, half of that will actually be created for a student zone. What they found out is that, that teens don't really like being in the same club as their younger siblings, so they're creating a, a space specifically designed for them. We think it would be a great fit for the younger kids to be able to be a part of the uh, program at the Tribune um, building, uh, specifically in our, our kid areas. We design like, uh, the area so it could be have multi-functionality, not just for our use on Sunday, but actually for others during the course of the week, but they're doing really great work. There's some
1: solid leadership at the Boys and Girls Club, and that's a conversation we feel super excited about. Yeah, so it's possible that something like that would be maybe kind of a primary partnership that doesn't exclude like other ways that the building can be useful, other one-off events and other yeah.
2: partnerships? you know, um, even in design, I think I might've mentioned this before, but uh, some, Jay and I visited a church in Chicago that moved into an old facility, but the first thing they did was like um, jackhammer the floor and create like an auditorium style seating. And it was like- With like uh, a sloped floor. Yeah, a sloped yeah. floor. And it was like, oh shoot, this can only be used for like, one style of venue and so for us to be able to have we're actually looking at staging that can be moved around so you could have lecture style or in the round um, which really benefits like space is is so key for people we were just uh, given the word of Habitat for Humanity gave us a church partner of the year award good job South Bend City yeah Yeah.
1: but maybe people are like wait what
2: yeah the funny thing is we've never built a house actually But why they uh, named us Church Partner of the Year is because we uh, allowed them to use this space at no cost for a fundraiser, and that fundraiser was able to generate thousands of dollars, and the, the care and connection that we were able to support, not only during that day, but in some other leadership conversations, really benefited them um, in, in, in a variety of ways. So you know, just the, the space is a huge issue. Yeah, um, that's right. So there'll be
1: events, other opportunities for people to utilize the space during the course of the week. Yeah, so stay tuned for more developments in our conversation, uh, both with Boys and Girls Club as one possibility and whatever else might be going on. Uh, The thing you should not do is go out and say, I heard there's a Boys and Girls Club going into South Bend City Church, because you prayed the prayer for Pete's sake. So um, remember, this is provisional. Uh, Would you all like to know when we're moving in? We don't know. Uh, Sorry. Sorry, that's unfair. No, we're we have a, we have a uh, we're getting closer and closer to a concrete timeline. So uh, we're going to show you um, a couple of different scenarios here. I know I, I kind of love this effort from some of you that you, like, you want to make sure that you're here for our first Sunday. That's really beautiful. For now, we can at least kind of narrow the window for you. So uh, sometime in February, the renovations should be wrapping up, right, Matt? Yep. And that means it's kind of like you, know, you, uh, you renovate a house. Then you still got to move in, right? Just because the builder is done doesn't mean you're ready to go. Uh, So uh, we're kind of like working out enough time for us to get in there and get set up. Um, Easter next year is on March 31st. Could be really cool if we get to have our first Easter at Tribune, right? However, we aren't fools, and we don't think our first Sunday should be Easter at the Trib. That'd be like (laughs) getting the keys to your house on Wednesday and hosting Family Thanksgiving on Thursday. Like, don't do that, right? Like, give yourself a moment. So our team's been working out some timelines with Margin. Let me show you two possible scenarios for how this will go. Plan A, and this is the one that so far looks pretty viable, is that on March 3rd or 10th, one of those Sundays, instead of having our regular Sunday gatherings, we would turn the Sunday morning into a workday. Uh, there's a lot of different shapes that that could take, uh, but we would do that on the 3rd or the 10th. And then that would give us either two or three Sundays at Tribune for regular gatherings before Easter at the Tribune. That'd be a really fun chance to welcome a bunch of neighbors into the Tribune. So that's plan A. However, um, if we lose those marginal Sundays between move-in day and Easter, we'll probably punt till after Easter. What that would mean then is it's possible that Easter would be our last Sunday at Studebaker, which has its own kind of uh, heartfulness, I think, to do that here. And in plan B, then, that would mean uh, that we would do Easter at Studebaker on the 31st. April 7th would be a workday instead of gatherings. And then we would uh, have our first Sunday at Trib on the 14th. Uh, but anyway, we'll keep you posted on that stuff, of course but we did think that we should let you know um, how that's starting to look. Cool, right? Yeah, Yeah, very exciting. Uh, Let's sort of pan back out here for a moment. Um, uh, Matt, like I've heard you reflect a lot over the past few years on like what faith has felt like. And I mean this both like personally and on the project. And by faith, I mean like you take that decisive step toward a new future. And there aren't guarantees there, but there are convictions that leads you to take that step, and then you kind of have to work it out, right? Um, side note, one of those steps is sort of celebratory right now, because five years ago, like right now, uh, you and your family moved here from uh, Southern California to be a part of Southend City Church. That's a big deal, right? Yeah. So that's a big thing, but then on the project, there's been, you know, there was when we thought we wanted to buy the building, but we couldn't get the letter of intent nailed down with the seller. Then there was trying to get banking lined up, because I don't know if you know this, but banks don't like to lend to churches. You know why? Because they don't want to foreclose on a church. It makes them look bad, but they don't want to give a loan they can't foreclose on. So it's really hard to get lending. That was work. Then it was uh, increasing material costs with everything that skyrocketed last summer. Um, On and on and on, there's been moments where we have to ask ourselves what faith looks like again while we go through this but I've heard you reflect on that a number of times and every time you do, it means a lot to me. And I ask you that both because we collectively are in the middle of this project that has built on some faith, but also I know like individually, there's a bunch of individual stories here in our community where people have taken a step towards something they felt convicted for and now they got to work it out. So can you just like share with our community what you shared with me and pastor us a little bit right now? Yeah, I think, uh, I know for personally,
2: it's sometimes easy to look at the future or like you kind of hit, hit a speed bump or a wall or there's anxiety about the future or what's what's ahead. Um, and so sometimes I feel like it's helpful to like look back in order to look forward, um, look back and be like, oh man, we've, like, we've been taken care of. Um, six years ago, I feel like we were at a, like a real crossroads of like what we were thinking about church life, and what, what does that look like? I wasn't even sure if I wanted to stay working in a church. Um, you know, it's just a real crossroads. Uh, but now, now I look at five years being here and look back and be like, oh man, I'm like so grateful. Um, and so sometimes it's easy to look ahead and be like, what's going to happen here? So each of those moments with the Tribune Project felt like, oh man, are we, are we going to get through this? But then to look back and be like, man, God has taken care of us each step of the way. Uh, and sometimes I don't understand how all the timing and things work, but like there's just a mystery of uh, things working together in the way that they should work. And I know anytime we've made a transition, you know, there's things that we need to learn, there's there's people that we need to meet, there were experiences we need to have. Um, but I think that's for me, that's like encouraged my faith uh, to be able to look back and be like man, there's been a lot of trials, or there's been a lot of hard things, but we've always had what we need, or we've been taken care of, and um, I would never have guessed six years ago that I'd be in South Bend, Indiana, yeah. um, but now, like, like, my mom asked me at Thanksgiving, she's like, are you, are you still glad that you're there? I'm like, yeah, like, I wouldn't change it for the world, and, um, but it took, a, it took a difficult step, um, You know, not just for me, but for our family and for our boys to to take that step to come here. And I think with this project, that's been the same same thing where, you know, it's kind of stepping out in faith uh, to, like, okay, we think this is the best next step. Um, But being reminded that, like, we've been taken care of thus far. Um, I think we'll, you know, might not look exactly how we want it to look in the future, but I think we'll be taken care of um, in the future.
1: Yeah, to me, it's not... It's not just on the project, it's not just that we've had the resources, although thank God we've had the resources, and thank you that we've had the resources. It's also that, like, um, for a church that feels really called and convicted to love the city well, it's to find out that there were neighbors who were just waiting um, to have these conversations, that there are partners ready to go, that, like, not just money's paying for the building, but that, like, people are showing up. Uh, to partner with and to educate us and to help us understand how to do that. Yeah, you see.
2: I, I remember somebody saying to me before we moved here, um, said, Matt, some of your best friends are yet to meet. Um, and I, I feel like that is really, really true. You know? And I, I think the same is true with this project, right? Some of, some of like, the most like, key connections or partnerships or, or people that are invested, like, have, have we've yet to meet
1: um, or, or be connected with. That's right. Um, Earlier this fall, we've been in the letter uh, called Romans in the New Testament. And uh, we're taking a little break right now as we move into Advent. But I want to skip ahead because there's this really beautiful and simple but kind of profound benediction that Paul writes in the letter. And these words have been sitting with me as I think about the story that we've told today. And um, as I share this with you, I'm going to ask Zach and the team to come back up. And there's a song that we sang earlier in our gathering Uh, but it's also a song that we sang back this summer when we consecrated the Tribune Building as a community. And we're going to come back to that refrain a little bit more. Uh, But as they come up, let me just share this with you uh, from the letter of Romans near the end where Paul says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me say that one more time for us. Maybe as you think about some stuff that you've taken into a future and maybe it's a little bit harrowing right now or maybe you feel the work that we're doing together in both the, um, the joy of it and the challenge of it. Let me read this again. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's a good word for us. Zach, will you lead us?
3: Let's stand as you're able
1: Next week, you'll make plans uh, to hit the open house at Trivium. It really is something to see it for yourself, uh, especially with all the progress that's been made in the building there. And I don't know a better benediction than for us to return one more time to those words from Paul. And So let me uh, bless you with this. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And may grace and peace be with you. Amen. Love you all. See you next week for the start of Advent.